Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Could we change our lives to become an outdoor family? This was the question my guest today, Hannah Alexander, asked herself before embarking on a year experiment with her family to spend at least three hours each day outside for a year. This is such a cool experiment and one that has fundamentally changed Hannah, her kids and her family as a whole. Hannah and I discuss the benefits of nature in regards to child development, how children are designed to be outside, the beauty in unstructured time, and how nature is the perfect place to play. Hannah also shares stories of how she changed her habits over the year, potential barriers for getting outside, and how we can easily modify our indoor activities to do them outside. During the year experiment, Hannah also had a month of no screens for entertainment and a separate month where she packed away the majority of her children's toys. I absolutely loved this chat with Hannah and I hope her story inspires everyone who has children in their lives to do more activities with them outside. If you know someone that has children who is a teacher or a grandparent, then can I ask that you share this episode with them as we really do need to get our children to be spending more time outdoors. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Hannah Alexander. Hi, Hannah, how are you? Hi, good, thanks, Mike. How are you? I'm very well indeed, very well indeed. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? Uh, I'm in Devonport in Tasmania, northern Tasmania, and I'm sitting on my balcony looking out. I can see my garden and um, a little bit of the Bass Street as well, so it's quite a beautiful morning. Wow. And for all of those people playing the geography game at home and and for all of the um, Northern Hemisphere listeners, so Bass Strait is obviously that, that big bit of water in between mainland Australia and Tasmania, which is that little island um, below Australia, which is obviously part of Australia. It's an Australian state. Um, but that actually really surprises me because I thought you were going to say the Central Coast, which <laughs> is halfway between Sydney and Newcastle in New South Wales. Um so is, is heading down to Tasmania, is that a, a relatively recent move for you? Yes, we moved here in January this year. So we've been here about uh, nine, uh, I guess, 11 months now. So yeah, it has been a big move, but a great move. And you've, you've, you're kind of at the tail end of a Tasmanian winter coming into yes. spring. How was, how was that for you? Yes, uh, it was nowhere near as bad as I was expecting. When you're uh, moving to Tasmania, everybody says, oh, how are you going to cope with the cold? And oh, it's very cold down there. And I think we're a bit spoilt living in New South Wales near Sydney uh, with, you know, beautiful sunny winters. Uh, but it was nowhere near as bad as I was expecting. I mean, some of those Northern Hem- Hemisphere listeners would know of places where there's snow on the ground for four mm. or five months of the year. And um, Tasmania is not quite that bad. We do have snow nearby, but we could just go and visit and there was Mm. lots of sunny winter days still. So it's nice that it's warming up now. Um, But yeah, I actually really like the climate. I was, uh, you know, Inga and I, we've been down there a couple of times and we absolutely love it because I think that, you know, Tasmania, it really does have those four seasons, which Mm. 
mm. you know, people who, who listen to the, the podcast will know that I bang on about how much I love seasons and, mm. you know, where I live here in Newcastle, we, we don't get it as much as we get like eight months of beautiful beach weather. Um, mm. You know, there, there are those kind of cold, those colder months that actually allow our body to kind of slow down and... Um, yeah, kind of regroup, which I absolutely love about Tasmania. So that's mm-hmm. um, really exciting that you guys are down there. And do you have many family down there at all? Or No, we actually moved here. We didn't know anyone when we moved here. But um, uh, my husband is a pastor of a Baptist church. So uh, moving to a, a new church is a little bit like inheriting a new family. So we've quickly made lots of amazing friends and people down here. So yeah, and thankfully it's not a very expensive flight from Launceston to Sydney, so we can come back and they can come down. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's get let's get into the, the main part of the podcast here today, Hannah. And I was super pumped to have you on today as along with your, your husband Nick and your two little girls, Ezra and Phoebe, you recently completed a year experiment where you spent three hours outside every day for a year, which sounds like a super fun experiment in my books. So let's dive straight in. And I guess if you could take me back to, to where you were when you made the decision to do the experiment and what was the, the burning desire behind the idea? Yeah, so uh, we had had a week's holiday on the north coast of New South Wales in a place called Southwest Rocks, a really beautiful place. My parents have a holiday house there. And uh, look, I'm a teacher and I had had uh, just over a year off work and I'd been reading a lot of research that was coming out about just how good um, getting outside is for kids and how important it is. And we were kind of in this beautiful environment with uh, lovely beaches and the kids were playing outside and I could really see what a benefit it was having to them. And uh, in the kind of past couple of months, I'd been talking about, oh, maybe I need to go back to uni and do some more study in this or, um, you know, maybe there's some way I can pursue this interest. And suddenly I thought, you know what? It's easy to get outside on holidays and have all this beautiful time outside And there's all this research coming out that's answering the question why we should get our kids outdoors and why it's really good for them. But I actually wanted to know, well, what are the barriers to getting outside and and how could we really, how can a modern family, could we change our lives to become a more outdoor family? So I I talked about it with my husband and we came up with these uh, rules for the year. And yeah, that was it. In May we started and that was the beginning of our year outdoors, we called it. And so so what were these rules? So we had three rules and they were first spend three hours outside every day uh, with our kids. And the second rule was to aim to spend 2,000 hours outside in the year, which which works out to about five hours a day on average. And the third rule was to um, take photos and write about our experience. Oh, oh, beautiful. So when you made rule number one and rule number two, did you not figure out the mathematics or? (laughs) No, I was just, I wanted to do more than three hours. A lot of the Scandinavian countries, the kids are at even longer. Mm. So I felt that three hours was a good minimum, but I really wanted to aim for higher than that. And um, and see you know how close we could get to really changing our lives. And you also spoke there about barriers, and I think that, I think that's you know sometimes we we know, and whether it's spending out you know time outdoors or 
eating healthy or doing more exercise. We, we kind of know what we we should be doing. And you kind of, that word, there's these barriers. And I think it's so true. But like, what 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 were some of those initial barriers for your family? Yeah, I think, uh, well, we were lucky because I wasn't working. So I could really commit to this idea. So that helped. So part of the barrier is families are very time poor and um, people are working more and children are busier. They have more commitments. Um, but one of the biggest barriers I think is actually cultural. I mean, in Australia, especially in New South Wales, we have beautiful weather most of the year. So that's not really a barrier. Um, but I think we have this culture with young children that it's normal to be inside a lot of the time. So, um, getting over kind of, you know, stopping going to a playgroup where we stayed inside most of the time or to lie at Bree story time. And when friends invited me over for a play, kind of having to say, oh, you know, could we meet at a park or mm. could do you want to come here and play in the backyard? Those were the barriers that I noticed the most, the cultural barriers. And like, you're talking there uh, in a way about some, you're kind of taking those indoor activities outside it was was that kind of part of the the year like really trying to to design a, a you know kind of pushing the the outdoors sorry the indoors outdoors yeah in many ways yes I think we do so much inside we don't even think about we eat inside we shop inside we um you know we worship inside we work inside we do so much inside these days so really rethinking, okay, what can we do outside? We can eat a picnic lunch instead of eating inside. We can have a sleep on a mat. You know, I had a two-year-old uh, or a one-year-old and a three-year-old when I started um, and both of them were still having naps when I started and sometimes we would just um, find a shady spot under a tree in our backyard and have a sleep or go for a walk when um, with my youngest. If my elder, I've got a son, Ezra, and a little girl, Phoebe, and you know, putting her in the carrier and having a sleep outside. So, yeah, really rethinking how much of our lives do we need to do inside? And there's not a whole lot, really. Mm. We can, yeah, especially with young kids. And going back to the start here, and I know you had those three rules, but did you did you sit down and kind of plan some outdoor activities to begin with? Or, like, how did you really get the ball rolling? Yeah, that's a great question. I uh, I got a few books from the library with some ideas, but I have to admit that I wasn't a very outdoorsy person at the beginning of the year. And I looked up some of these kind of ideas to do with kids, and some of them I thought, oh, I don't know what I'm do- what I'm signing up for. There were things like, you know, lie on a mat and stare at the clouds, or, you know, try and count the leaves on a tree, and they just sounded really boring to me. Mm. And uh, so I kind of worked out okay I just need to plan to go outside that's my goal not to plan to do things but just get outdoors and I quickly found that I didn't need to plan anything that outside my kids just played and played and played and they didn't need they never got bored they never said what are we going to do now mum we've been at the beach for three hours you know they were always having fun (laughs) it's so true you've never Mm -hmm. you've never seen a kid come up to their parents and go come on mum and dad it's time to leave the beach no way exactly that's completely right and I think in the aspect of planning which went ahead of me that was in my benefit is that we live in a country with 
reasonably good urban planning. So we have these beautiful beaches that are untouched and really accessible and we have these great parks with toilets and shady spots to sit and, you know, nice playgrounds. So someone else has done the planning. We just need to go out and enjoy Mm. it. You know, I'm so glad you said that because so often we can be uh, like kind of blaming government or the powers that be on us not being able to do things. But you're right, like there, there is, there's so much infrastructure and, you know, I, we, we can really only speak about our own country here, but there's so much infrastructure already in place. Um, and, you know, and in a sense, that's kind of structured outdoor time. There's always, you know, just kind of going outside and being a little bit wild as well. Mm, absolutely getting to those kind of more wild places. But mm. that's right. Uh, we live in a country that's really well set up for it, really, that um, there's a value placed on the natural world and natural spaces, and we are really lucky. Mm. And, you know, you were talking before about, um, you know, having some nat- nap times and things like that under- underneath the trees and some pit picnics it actually reminds me of and i've mentioned this to you offline you know after reading um an article about you which is you know how i learn about your story which i will link to in the show notes at liveimmediately.com um but my wife and i last i think it was like maybe last thursday we went down to our local beach like we're fortunate that we we live five minutes from the beach and it was so a thursday before school um Mm -hmm. our, our little girl andy is in kindergarten and we thought we'd ha- go and have breakfast at the beach. So we were up early, um, well, no earlier than usual, to be honest, and mm-hmm. made our breakfast. We put our, our green juice in, into some jars, got Andy's school uniform in a bag, went down to the beach, had our breakfast down at the beach. We're kind of looking at the rocks. I went for a swim. It was a little bit too fresh for the girls. Um, and then we got Andy ready for school. She collected some, some shells and some rocks that she took to school that day. And, and then we dropped her at school from, from the beach. And it was, it was such an easy morning. It, it, and all we kind of had to do was really kind of just change, I guess, our indoor morning and take it outdoors. Mm-hmm. And, and saying to Andy, hey, come on, we're going to the beach before school. Well, hey, I've never seen a kid get out of the house quicker. And if anyone's got kids that go to school, getting kids out of the house for school mm-hmm. can sometimes be, you know, a, a, you mm-hmm. know quite painful. Um, and it was really interesting just to kind of, you know, that those few changes and getting outdoors. And Andy, when I dropped her at school, she's like, Dad, today was such a great morning. And it was, it was just beautiful. Mm, Mike, and that's such a great story because a lot of people have said to me since, oh, well, you had young kids at home. They weren't at school yet. So it was easy to find, you know, three hours to go outside. But there is time. You know, you found it in the morning mm. before school. Why not? And there's actually research that says, it's about kids who walk to school in green spaces. They do better in the first, um, you know, the first hour at school. They have better cognition than if you stay inside. So uh, it's a great thing to do before school to get out and, you know, why not have breakfast outside and it's a beautiful day. Yeah, I agree. And I think too when those, I guess those, and I don't don't know whether I want to call them excuses or not, but when people kind of raise those points about, you know, your kids weren't in high school and or your kids weren't at school and things like that. It was like when we went traveling for a year and people were like, wow, how did you travel with like a four-year-old? And mm. it's kind of like, well, you just do it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and 
things just work out like, mm. like nothing nothing major drama is is going to happen and and if you get to school let, let's say you know going back to the going to the beach before school or, or breakfast in the park before school or whatever you want to call it and you get to school late well okay next time you just do it a little bit earlier and you, like like everything mm-hmm. in life you kind of make a few tweaks yep absolutely that's right we do so much out of habit don't we we don't even think about it and i guess that's a, an interesting word there with habits like did you find that through the experiment, you know, you changed your habits. Oh, absolutely. I really did. Um, I think the first few months were probably the hardest and then it soon became really easy because it was just normal that we would go outside. One of the big habits that I challenged myself to change, though, was to get out in the garden more. So in September, we actually turned off our TV and um, iPads and screens for the kids. Uh, Nick and I still use them for work, but... Uh, we turned them off for kind of entertainment. And my goal was to turn off the screens and get into the soil. And so I made a commitment that I'd go outside every day with the kids and do a little bit of gardening. And I, prior to that, I wasn't a very good gardener. Uh, luckily, my husband is an amazing gardener. Uh, but I was a little bit lacking in commitment, I would say. And so, yeah, it took about that month to get out every day. And it's now a habit. I'm not, still not as good a gardener as my husband, but I now want to go back out and have a look and see how my little plants are going. And yeah, so yeah, so a lot of things changed in the year. And you know that that month that you turn the screens off, and I love that turning the screens off and getting into the soil. That is such a beautiful concept. But you know the, the month that you 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 did that as well. How did like that change after that month? So, oh, you know, I'm not saying. I'm gathering that you kind of brought some of the screens back into your life, but did they come back at at, at a reduced rate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, that was quite amazing because we didn't, especially with the kids, we didn't watch a lot of TV or anything. Mm. It was kind of half an hour of play school, which is an Australian show most preschoolers love, uh, in the afternoon just when I was cooking dinner or um, at most an hour in the day. So I didn't really think it was going to be a big deal. Like I thought, oh, yeah, we'll turn them off. But you know, we'll see what an impact it makes. But uh, we were really amazed at how much quickly, how much more imaginative our children were with no TV at all. And it really broke that habit of doing it daily. Mm -hmm. And that made a big difference. And of course, we've reintroduced them. And I like I use them still, especially if the kids are sick, they'll watch a couple of pet Mm -hmm. play schools. But the average preschooler today watches about two over two hours of screen time a day. And I think it's a third of preschoolers have their own device. So children are spending a lot of time. So to break that habit of doing it daily, it made such a big difference for our kids that it really has changed my um, approach to it. And I really try and not use screens daily, not use them, um, you know, routinely, but use them as a treat. I I don't want my kids to grow up without technology, but I, I really limit it now it's really hard though as a parent isn't it to kind of find that balance of you know technology is part of the world that we live in and you know Mm. if you if you read the studies then it's something like you know a quarter or a half or all of the jobs whatever it is that our kids will be doing haven't even been invented yet um and it's, mm. it's, 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 it's challenging to find that balance between, yeah, technology and not technology. And, but I think you're right there when you said not having it as part of the routine, like bring, mm. bringing it in, hey, you, you know, great, 
you know, here's here's a show or here's this or um, but it's not, hey, every day at four o'clock, let's sit down mm-hmm. and, and here's your TV time. And, you know, the interesting thing, Mike, is what you said then about the careers in the future being, um, you know, like haven't even been invented and are going to look very different. I think one of the things that is important is that playing outside is actually preparing our children for that future. There mm. is so much research that it um, improves resilience and getting on with others. And, and I could see that in the year that uh, especially my son, he became much more confident, much more willing to try things. They're learning so much outside that it's not a choice to say, oh, well, I'm going to go outside and that's you know, not going to help them with the new technological world. It actually is giving mm. them lots of skills that will still be important in their future careers and in raising them, like in getting them through to be strong, resilient, competent, confident adults. I 100% agree there. And, you know, you spoke about some changes that you, you saw in your kids. What, what were some of the other changes that you saw through this year? And, and I guess also two changes in yourself and your husband. Mm, I think um, there was lots of changes in me. My husband was already pretty outdoorsy. He um, he loves the garden and he loves uh, going hiking and he loves, um, yeah, he's just, when he comes home from work, he tends not to come inside. He goes around and looks at, you know, things in the garden. And so uh, he probably didn't change that much, but I changed a lot. I didn't really like going, I didn't think I liked going outside before the year. I um I thought I'd prefer to be in bed with a book that was kind of and a cup of tea that was kind of my perfect. Um so I definitely found that it was like discovering oh hang on no I really love it out here. It is really beautiful out here. And I found myself so much less stressed. I am probably a reasonably well was reasonably an anxious person and I'm sure you would know with having young children there's a level of kind of anxiety that's always playing on you like I've got to get them to bed soon or they haven't eaten that well today or um, you know I've got to get to just the shops to buy the milk and that's kind of a big endeavor Uh, but outside I was much more relaxed and I found that I just you know came home if we had been out feeling so refreshed and now I I really I I really do find that daily I get out every day and I don't have, I'm not anxious anymore. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of going back to, to research that, you know, there's so much that kind of is connected like the, with nature and things like anxiety, you know, and it's, it's really, it's my, my wife is a quite an anxious person as well. And, for us, it was, you know, kind of paring down our, our items and mm-hmm. creating that, that physical space, which also helped create some mental space. But when we were traveling, it, it was those rural areas that just allowed us to be slower and, and free and to be outside that really brought down her anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of us struggle with this in, um, you know, modern day life. Anxiety is is just growing and it's it's increasing in children, sadly, as well. Uh, but that's right, exactly. So much of our life is kind of filled with anxiety when we have a house full of stuff that needs to be sorted or cleaned or we're worrying about what we're going to buy next and where we're going to put it. And, like, those things really do cause us to be more anxious. And, mm-hmm. and getting outside really does allow us. And some of the mechanisms that scientists are discovering for why 
I mean, uh, like most gardeners, who people who garden say that, oh, they do it for their mental health. You know, being out there, there's something really special. And um, they've actually discovered now that when you are working in the garden, if you've got your hands in the, in the dirt, there's, some, there's a, a bacteria you absorb and it works as an antidepressant on your brain. It essentially has the same effect. Wow. So they're really discovering that there is all these things and there's lots more that um, are, like, are quite amazing. Even looking at it, they have found that even looking at a picture of a green space, like a path with trees growing on either side, can reduce your heart rate after you've experienced something stressful. Scientists have discovered this. Which is pretty amazing. And yeah. so getting outside even more so, you know, with the sound of the birds and the fresh air and, yeah. And, and when did, you know, through this experiment, when did getting outside become just part of your normal life? Like, you know, what, what part, at what point did it stop becoming an, an experiment? Ah, uh, gosh, I think it was pretty quickly, really. I think, uh, I guess because I wasn't working and the kids were home, we were pretty adaptable. So uh, we quickly kind of could change things and that was pretty easy. Uh, I guess, I guess, yeah, probably in the first or second month, it just became part of every day that we would go outside and I especially, oh, I guess, no, I can think of a time at the end of winter there was a night when we, I said to Nick, okay, we need to get a few more hours out. Can we go outside and have a, a meal? And he packed up a picnic and we kind of put our old clothes on. We kind of got used to wearing, you know, we weren't yeah. wearing the latest fashion. We were wearing much more comfortable in our, like, our daggy clothes because we were used to getting dirty. And we um, hopped in the car and drove out to some bushland and we had some, um, we lit a fire and we had some food. And, and at that point I thought, hey, this is something we do now. This mm. is like what our family does. And it was really special, a really special thought. And we've still kept doing it that when we've got our picnic set all packed and we're get heading in the car or going for a walk now to somewhere to have a picnic, that's when I think, oh, this is like us. This is what we do. Wow. You're the outdoors family. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess like if, if someone wants to get their family outdoors more, which I – really hope that is the big takeaway that everyone kind of gets from this um, this chat today. But if people do want to get their, their family outdoors more, what's some advice that you would give them? And are there any things that that you learned during your year that I you wish you knew at the beginning? Yeah, I guess my advice would be, first of all, just go. Just go outside. Just go for one hour and um, and just you know, look and see how how your kids are and notice, you know, like notice how happy they are when they're out there and notice how much better they go to sleep that night or just keep your eyes out. Uh, and, and once you do it once and you see it, like you, for example, Mike, going to the beach, I have a feeling you're going to do that again. Most you know? definitely. I think yes. it's going to be at least our Thursday and, and as we come into summer, well, yesterday, right, Andy, he said to us, oh, can we go to the beach tomorrow morning? And, and both Ingrid and I, we'd had a, my parents were, were up from Sydney and we had a yep. pretty crazy weekend and we both went, ah, oh, maybe not tomorrow because it's the, the first day of the week and mm -hmm. it's a Monday. And then I'm thinking to myself, that's a pretty lame excuse. Mm -hmm. I, I, I also knew we had this podcast. So mm. forever, we're recording this oh, at sorry, like 5, 5.30 in the morning. 
Um, but um, but yeah, like it's definitely going to be part of our life um, yeah. going forward. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is that try, like set yourself a goal if you're a goal-oriented person to get up for half an hour a day or an hour a day or two hours a day. Um, but the other thing is that I think there's the small daily um, trips out and then there's like book a holiday in go and spend you know a week in a shack by the sea you know or go in the mountains whatever your kind of thing is make an effort to book that in to go somewhere you know go camping or hiking or um, you know if you don't have camping stuff just rent one of those little caravan park cabins and and do it you know get a big dose of it as well yeah, my um my parents have a caravan and they take it down to um the same spot every year for three weeks in January. Mm-hmm. And Andy goes down there with with my sister's boys. She's got four boys, so all the cousins are out there playing. And um we often go down and stay for a week as well. But Andy and the boys are usually there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um and all they do is run around and play outside and go swimming. They never ask for a phone or an ice cream or anything. It's just all about play, 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 play. And they all, you kind of touched on sleep before. They all sleep mm-hmm. so well during the night, you know. It's um like kids, you know, and you kind of touched on this earlier before where you, you, you were saying your kids never got bored. Like they don't. Kids actually mm. kind of belong out in nature. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's right. And it's the absolute best thing you can do for them. Really, it's the best thing you can do for them physically to be running around and using their bodies, something that children are not doing enough these days. Uh, it's so important for their development, even for later when they have to sit in, a, if they're little, like, you know, later when they're sitting in a chair at school, um, holding a pencil. It's just uh, so important for their bodies, but also for their minds that like we know that children learn best through play and that all that playing and running around outside is so incredibly good for them. And as you said, it is. They are it's, They are designed to be outside mm-hmm. and nature is designed as the perfect place to play for children of any age. It's really incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of talking about research that I can never remember who it was from or, or what the exact stats are, but I remember reading something about um, when kids are out playing in a natural kind of environment like trees and balancing on logs and things like that compared to a structured environment like a play equipment that within with play equipment, kids um, are more likely to injure themselves because it's man-made. They feel that there's like they can't hurt themselves, like there's always mm-hmm. going to be someone there to catch them or things like that. But but out in the wild, they're testing things and they're like, oh, is this rock wobbly or not? Okay, I need to I need to go across in a different way because it it's it's all natural. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they're, that's exactly right, and it's very true when you see it in real like in, when you notice in real life. I think I had read a lot of the same research, and I kind of thought, are there really things out there like? logs to balance on I don't know maybe you need to be in some European forest to find those things but when you get out it's amazing to see how many things there are even for a little baby how when they are crawling and standing up to walk they can be at the beach and the sand is so perfectly soft for them Mm -hmm. but then there'll be like a bit of driftwood sticking up and they can reach up and pull themselves up on it and they're really safe 
but also really challenged. And uh, and sadly, kids aren't spending much time at all in those really natural environments. But that's right. It's a much better place for them uh, to test themselves and take risks. And yeah, we often kind of try and keep kids safe. This is one of the, mm. the cultural things too. I remember on a day we were at the beach and uh, and I was uh, with, with my son and he found another little girl and they ran off to play. And the first thing they were doing was climbing up this branch. And I was looking kind of over. I was a little bit f- far away just watching. And suddenly I heard this almighty scream. And the mother comes, the mother of the little girl came running across. Get down from there, she said. You can't climb up there. And, uh, you know, the little girl, actually, she had three points of contact. She was actually really safe. And to the mother, obviously, it was just, too terrifying to see her scaling this little tree um anyway sure enough a few minutes later they were playing pirates or something and uh, the little girl picked up a big stick and the mother said you know put that stick down you know I say you're not allowed to play with sticks and I just thought oh there's all these Mm -hmm. academics in early childhood sitting around in lecture halls talking about how beautiful a stick is to play with and how it's the perfect toy because it um enhances creativity and it has a thousand uses and 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 yet, you know, we have a parenting culture that says, put the stick down. Yeah, it's so true, the the yin and yang of it all. Mm, mm, mm. And you also kind of talked there about, you know, the social change. And I guess in a weird way, it's it's kind of sad that society has changed so much that you actually needed to do this experiment. Because mm. I remember when when I was a boy, if I wasn't sleeping or eating, I was outside playing. Mm. Mm, and that's amazing, really. Um, yeah, it, it has really changed a lot. We did have a culture that kids used to play in the street and they used to play with their neighbours and things like that. And and a lot of the reasons are very legitimate. Like there's more traffic today than there was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, but some of the reasons are not legitimate. Like some of the reasons are that we're more fearful of abductions and things like that. But there's no statistic to say mm-hmm. there's any more. In fact, there are actually decreasing. I think part of the problem, I really do think part of the problem is screens. I think that not that the problem with them is that in the past, if you didn't have an eye, like when you were a kid, you, you probably had like an hour of kids TV on and that was all. There wasn't anything else. You might have been able to put a VCR in, but you couldn't just kind of flick on an iPad and be entertained for two hours. And so kids really were bouncing off the walls and so people sent them out. Whereas I think today we have all these amazing ways to entertain children inside, you know, so many more toys and more things that we enable, that enables us to give our children a much more sedentary life. And when one family keeps their kid in in the afternoon Mm. in front of the TV or on an iPad instead of sending them out, and then all of a sudden for that neighborhood kid, there's not someone playing outside. And, you know, it's kind of a ripple effect that suddenly we have, you know, we don't even, that was one big change in our year. We got to know the kids in our street pretty quickly. So we lived in a cul-de-sac in this, on the central coast most of the year. And I started to let Ezra play in the, on the road, which was a bit of a big thing for me. Um, it was a very quiet road and everybody in the street knew that kids played in the street and they were very careful. And, um, and I, I usually watched him outside, but yeah, once he went out, he got to know all the kids in the street. And our neighborhood, our neighbor 
a little boy who was about five years older than him used to lean over the fence and say, Ezra, are you coming out to play? <laughs> so that was lovely. Oh, that, 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 that's what it was like in my childhood. I, I was mm. fortunate enough to grow up in, in a, on a cul-de-sac as well and, mm. and all the boys just out there kind of playing and you'd knock on the door, hi, Mrs. Harrison, can Adrian come out and play today? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, he's, he's not home. Oh, okay. And then you're like, man, I've got, I've got no one to play with. Or, you, you mm. know, you go suss out who else is around. But you, mm. you, you spoke there about like when, when one child stays in, then that, you know, all child, all children might stay in, in the neighborhood. I remember my, my daughter's, my daughter's eldest son. Um, Thomas, he's, I think about nine, he was going for a sleepover to a friend's house and he would, he had to take the iPad over so they could play some game on the iPad where they would connect, somehow connect all the iPads together and they, all the Mm -hmm. boys would be playing this game. And it was like, wow, like that is, again, that is so different to when I was going Mm. over someone's house like all I took was like a sleeping bag and a pillow Mm. and Mm -hmm. you'd stay up late just kind of I don't know building cubby houses or kind of going outside doing doing crazy things it's just how yeah how things have changed Mm. and they've changed so quickly that we sometimes don't really notice but we need to take notice and we need to say okay there's some great things about the way the world has changed there's our kids have an amazing you know they've you know, there's so much they can do with the internet. They can discover things about the world and, you know, it's great. But we need to have this imbalance, you know. Um, the author, Richard Louvre, says something along the lines of, as our lives become more connected to technology, we need to increase the connection to nature at the same time. Uh, we need to kind of balance it. And and um, we need to make sure that if we're having our screen time, we are also having our green time. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, it's not mine. It's uh, someone else has said it before me, but yeah. Um, you also, you, you've spoken about the month where you took some screens away, but in, I think it was also within that month where you also took toys away. Mm, it was actually a separate month. So we did that in September. And then in December, I wanted to pack away the toys and just see what happened. And interestingly, when I told people we were going to do a month without screens, they were kind of like, okay, fair enough. That sounds like a good idea. And they were quite interested, like, How's it going and, you know, what's it up to? And when I told people I was going to pack away my kids' toys, they were not impressed. They were like, that is so mean. I think my, both my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law tried to talk me out of it, like, come on, you're a, this is a bit crazy. Um, it ended up working pretty well because we ended up moving to Tasmania in January. So basically I packed up the toys first. They were the first <laughs> things to go away and they went in a box in the garage. And in the end, my kids actually had almost two months without them because we ended up putting our stuff in storage while we looked for a house down here. Um, And, yeah, the reason for that was because I think toys are another interesting area. We have so many more toys than – if I think to my mum's generation, she still has the the handful of dolls that she has as a child. She still has them. I think she didn't have a scooter. She had to borrow her brother's scooter. You know, that was it. And now our children are kind of overloaded with possessions and – Yeah, I wanted to see uh, educators have this idea that the best toy is um, open-ended. So it's something, instead of a little toy train, it's a block because a block can be a train or it could be a telephone. Um, And that reading about those kind of ideas are really interesting. But actually, 
in reality, I love buying my kids a little toy train because it's so beautiful. <laughs> and so we had a lot of kind of, um, yeah, not open-ended toys necessarily. And I wanted to see, you know, would it make a difference if we put them all away? There's a study about a, a preschool in Germany about 20 years ago, and they packed away all the toys. And all they left out was the tables and some blankets. And they also had a garden. And they did it for three months. And they found that the children played more creatively. They played together. They had longer, they played for longer on the same kind of topics. And yeah, basically with my kids, I found it was the same. The biggest difference I found was it was much easier to get outside when we didn't have the toys all over the floor because we just went. And I never found they got really bored because they can play with anything. You know, my kids can find a little bowl and a cup from the plastics cupboard and they can play with that for an hour. Uh, you know, they can, they find a way to play at any time. So it made it easier to get out the door and it really didn't, it didn't make a big deal. It wasn't like the screens where I went, whoa, this is changing our life. It was almost just like, oh, they, they have barely noticed, you know, mm -hmm. they haven't really changed. So um, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with toys, but the amount of toys that children have these days is probably a bit obsessive. And a lot of the toys, sadly, are kind of, um, you know, they're like Peppa Pig kit dolls for a two-year-old. Or uh, I remember like when my son was two, I wanted to buy him something with a pirate on it because he really liked pirates. He was into pirates and horses. And I went shopping at Christmas time and it was all frozen. Mm. And the problem with that is there's a few problems. One is that it's marketing to children. It's actually saying, it's actually exploiting children's, children love collecting things, right? They love like my daughter, she's got a fascination with snail shells and our garden has too many snail shells in it because we have too many snails and but she will just you know she's fascinated by them and she'll find them everywhere and marketers are exploiting that by saying okay I'm, these children love frozen and so we're going to put frozen on the cereal packets and on the nappies or you know whatever it is the toothpaste so that they will collect our things and we'll you know get more sales the other problem with it is that it limits play because if you are playing frozen with your frozen dress and your frozen um music box or something then you're Elsa and you're Anna and you are telling a story that some adult has written and that's okay it's better that you're playing Elsa outside than playing nothing but than watching Elsa maybe but um but it does limit children's creativity and it it's um putting an adult story on children so they'd be much better off in something that's open-ended like a, just a colorful skirt that can be a princess or a fairy or um even, you know, there's a thousand different ways. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really true about the open and closed toys and how their, their imagination can go. And it's, you, you spoke there about, like, when someone is, I guess, telling, a, telling the, the Elsa and Anna frozen story. It kind of reminds me of, you know, like, we're, we're quite an outdoorsy kind of family. Um, we, we try to get outdoors as much as possible. But I find that sometimes our... <clears throat> Sometimes with Andy, our daughter, it's kind of like, here is your structured time to be unstructured. And, mm. and it, it's kind of, it, it becomes like, hey, on a, on a weekend, we're always outdoors or we're at the beach or whatever. But it's like, hey, here's, here's your time where, you know, say Monday to Friday, it's, 
you know, you're up, you're doing the before school thing, you're at school. Mm. And, and then when you come home, there might be a, a little bit of gardening. I know that Andy does a lot with, with my wife, Inga. Um, and then it's, you kind of get into that, that dinner, homework, bed kind of routine. And, and then mm. the day starts again. Mm. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, going back to what I really loved about what you're doing here with the experiment. And, and you know what we did when we went down to the beach to have breakfast it was it was trying to to take that that unstructuredness away mm. away from it all mm-hmm. that's a really good point like get the unstructured and i think you've got a structure unstructured time i think that's a good idea because children aren't getting unstructured time so we need to put it in the diary like we're not doing anything right now but, 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 hope, but hopefully but, get it but, to a point where it's yeah where it's even just part life of is day to day yes yeah. i think that's a lovely idea isn't it mike that that even breakfast is an unstructured time like it doesn't have to be quick you know sit down and clean teeth at 10 past eight but like yeah how can we make our lives less structured i think that's a really interesting a really lovely idea isn't it too because we only have each day we only have each moment and we want to enjoy it and be present and and that is something that the outdoors does you know if you take your breakfast outside it makes it it turns it into a moment doesn't it Mm. it turns it into almost a meditation like something beautiful to have together yeah, so true. Well, I I am very uh, conscious of both of our times. I know that we've probably got little ones that are that are rising out of bed very soon. But I have one final question for you today, Hannah. It's one that I I do ask all of my guests, and that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I guess I um yeah my perfect day. I last year. During our project, we took three weeks and we took my parents' 30-year-old camper, pop-out Jayco caravan, and we drove to Noosa. And I think I had a few perfect days on that trip, but one in particular that sticks in my head. We were camping in New South Wales um, on the coast, and I got up early and I went for a walk on my own. So I had a little bit of peace and I saw some dolphins. And so I came back and I got my kids. They were up and we went and looked at the dolphins together. Then we came back and had breakfast and then we went down to the beach and they just played and played. And then um, there were some other kids in the caravan park and they rode their bikes up and down for hours. And then uh, we had lunch and they had a sleep in the caravan and I was chopping vegetables for dinner and my kids were asleep in the caravan and I just had this moment. My husband was reading out in, on a chair and I thought, here we are, we're all together in a beautiful spot. And it was just like that's perfection for me to be with my family and to be, you know, eating beautiful food and somewhere beautiful, uh, just that peace and joy. It's something beautiful. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. It's so true. Like nature really just does give you that kind of peaceful joy. Absolutely. Well, Hannah, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today and for sharing your story and for for doing something really cool. I know like sometimes when we have these ideas of, you know, we, we want to do something, you know, it can last a week or a month, but you, you've done it for a year and I really feel that your family is kind of reaping all of these beautiful life-altering rewards from it. But if people want to reach out to you and, and learn a little bit more about you or maybe even ask some questions, what's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, um, I, my email address is on my website, which I think you've shared. So send me an email. I'd be happy to add chat. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. So I'd love to hear from you and hear your stories. And um, I love questions. So, yeah, send them my way. Beautiful. And I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. But is there anything that I've, I've left out or anything that you'd, you'd like to say before we say our goodbyes? No, not at all. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Uh, you're so more than welcome, Hannah. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.